You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here tonight at 7. Mayor Mike Duggan, mayor of the city of Detroit, is scheduled to give his State of the City address. We will carry it live here on WDET at 7 when you would normally be listening to the rebroadcast of this program. Uh, you'll hear the mayor give his speech. Uh, we want to spend the rest of the show today talking about what the mayor will say and what the state of Detroit really is right now. This is something we talk about around here quite a bit. This is something we talk about on this show quite a bit. Uh, think about the things that we are seeing in downtown and midtown the things that are happening, the people who are here, the businesses that are opening, uh, the sports teams that are relocating uh, to this to this part of our region. Ten years ago, much of this was unimaginable. Ten years ago, when I moved back to Detroit from the East Coast, I can remember wandering around downtown Detroit on Sunday mornings looking for a place to buy coffee for instance, and not being able to find very many choices. Now, of course, you can stumble out any any door in downtown and find lots of options for those kinds of things. But is the recovery that we're seeing in downtown and midtown having an effect outside of the city's core? Is there an exaggeration about the effect of what's happening in the city's core on the rest of the city, the other 136 square miles that make up the city of Detroit. One of the good things I think that has developed over the last few years is a strong narrative asking that question. When will what's happening in downtown and midtown reach places like Evergreen and Seven Mile or uh, Mac and and Alter or, or Gratiot and Six Mile? When will we start to see the people who live in the majority of the city of Detroit benefit from the things that we're seeing happen in downtown and midtown? There was an article written recently in City Lab that asked this question, is Detroit really making a comeback? And that's where I want to start our discussion today with Gary Sands, Professor Emeritus of Urban Studies and Planning at Wayne State University and co-author of that article. Gary, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I saw your article and thought immediately that you were somebody we needed to talk to on this uh, on this program. Uh, you cast a lot of doubt over the number one, the strength of the the recovery that we're seeing take place in downtown and midtown, and then, of course, on what effect it actually has on the people, the majority of the people, I guess, who live here in the city of Detroit. And well, let me take those in in that order. Mm-hmm. As far as the strength of the recovery and improvements in the downtown midtown area, I think they are. Definitely there. They're tangible. They're real. They're substantive, but they're moving very, very slowly. And there are indicators that the, it's hard to describe this because the data are not current. I mean, we're dealing with something two years ago, and a lot has changed in the last two years, yeah. especially, right? Right. So, what you look at and you see things happening, you see jobs, incomes increasing in. Midtown and downtown, but you don't see that in the rest of the city. What you see in the rest of the city is declining incomes, declining jobs, declining property values, or at best stable values. 
stable values, and they were low to begin with. And they were low to begin with. Yeah. And you look at the trends in real estate prices in downtown, they're, they're off the charts. I mean, they're 10 times higher than they are in the rest <laughs> of the city. But there may be 150, 200 units being sold. So is that a real measure that stacks up against the 100,000 single-family homes that can't be sold in right. many neighbors of Detroit? Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the things that I liked about the article that you wrote is that its focus is on people. It's on the people who live here uh, and and looking at whether the city is working or getting better or worse from the standpoint of people who live in uh, in these neighborhoods. And when you look at it from, from that way, as opposed to just looking at uh, buildings, I think is how you mm-hmm. put it in the, in the article, you really do see a very, very dramatically different picture. I, yes, I think the biggest issue, biggest concern I have where I would start in trying to do something is increasing employment. And it's not, it's not bringing suburban jobs to downtown Detroit where people may come into the city, but at the same time you've got neighborhoods where there's stores are closing, factories are closing, uh, services are departing. I mean, Detroit needs to employ 100,000 more Detroiters, yeah. not bring in jobs from the outside, but get the people who live in the city working again. And and, and that has, uh, you have a chart in in the in the article that shows the trend lines for employment of Detroiters and non-Detroiters uh, over over the last I think in almost ten years at this point right. uh, you're, you're near fifty thousand forty six thousand Detroiters employed in two thousand seven today that's twenty nine thousand uh, almost tw- almost thirty thousand. For non-Detroiters, in uh, 2007, you had 75,000 employed in the city. Now you're at 88,000. So, I mean, really diverging trend lines there. I mean, really one is on an uptick and the other is on a a downward spiral still. And and you can see this reflected in what's happening in the neighborhoods. If people aren't working, they're not spending money at the grocery store, they're not spending money on movies, they're not spending money on dry cleaners, haircuts, whatever. And so you can't run a business in some of the neighborhoods because there's not enough people, not enough customers. There's not enough money I mean, yeah. in people's pockets to right. sustain those businesses. Right. And, I mean, if you added 100,000 jobs to Detroit, that's even at Walmart kind of wages, $2 billion more in the local economy that's going to get circulated through three, four times and would make a substantial difference but but but, but how do you there. get those hundred thousand jobs, right? I mean, right. that's that's sort of the 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 five hundred thousand dollar question is, if you were going to add a hundred thousand jobs to Detroit at the local level, for instance, uh, as opposed to downtown and in midtown in neighborhoods, uh, uh, how would you do it, and and where would you do it? Well, I think there's a couple of things that uh, you can think about doing. One is. The workforce in Detroit is not particularly well trained, not highly skilled. I mean, just take a, a crude measure of college graduates, mm-hmm. which is clearly a requisite for many of the jobs that are being created in the 21st century. 
Detroit has got one of the lowest proportion of college graduates of any major city, about 13%. Mm-hmm. If you, actually, if you look at the immigrants who are moving into Detroit, two-thirds of the adult immigrants have got college degrees. They're more, they're more educated than the people who, who already live here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's obviously hard to change. You can't immediately create people who have got a GED or high school degree and make them into college graduates skilled in technology, information technology, computers, what have you. So it's a long, difficult process. I think the other issue that's a big concern and it's related to the lack of income, the lack of uh, adequate training and skill development, is that two-thirds of Detroiters have no or subprime credit. Right. And so they can't buy a house, they can't finance a car, they can't, or the, if they can, they do it at very exorbitant rates. And yeah. It's a very complex picture, and there's no short-term easy answer. Yeah, yeah. And I think that what Laura Reese and I were trying to do in this particular article is keep this, the neighborhoods, the rest of the city in focus and not say, Midtown is great, downtown is great, <laughs> we're, done. we're done. We can walk away, we can we're do something good, else right? now. <laughs> right. We can all go to the Pistons game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and joining me in the studio is Gary Sands, a professor emeritus of urban studies and planning at Wayne State University, co-author of an article in City Lab titled, Is Detroit Really Making a Comeback? It's a story that looks more closely at what is going on outside the city's core, the 7.2 square miles that make up downtown and midtown. When you go to Gratiot and Six Mile, if you go to uh, Evergreen and Seven Mile, uh, are you uh, are you seeing the kind of uh, comeback that uh, that we are seeing in these in these other places? Uh, are you seeing the kind of resurgence that we are ascribing to the things that uh, that we see? in downtown and midtown Detroit. If you want to join the conversation, talk about uh, what is going on in Detroit from your perspective. Talk about what you think Mayor Mike Duggan might say uh, tonight when he gives his State of the City speech. Uh, What would you like to hear him say? What would you like to hear him talk about that he might do to improve conditions in neighborhoods outside of downtown in Midtown. 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your uh, put your uh, put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Of course, I keep saying 7 Mile and Evergreen and uh, I don't think that's even Part of Detroit, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a far west side. Uh, this is a kid who grew up downtown talking about the west side, not knowing where all the streets are. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Tom in northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning to uh-huh. both of you. And let yeah. me say this. I am the eternal optimist. Uh-huh. Um, what did they say? Don't touch the dial coming to a neighborhood near you. How soon? I don't know, but eventually it's going to get there. But we will see the kind of, of, you know, like wow effect out in the neighborhoods that's going on in Midtown and Downtown. I don't think so, but we will see some. I have been to, I know they've had four. I've been to three of the meetings about a possible, uh, you know, 
redevelopment over in the uh, Grand River area from like uh, from Southfield down to the Tower Center at Wingfield and Grand River back up to about, I think it'd be about seven miles uh-huh. there. I also, I've heard about the Herman Kiefer complex. Yes. That is, you know, there's a development there that's going to be bounded by Lodge on the east, go over to Rosa Parks on the west, Claremont on the north, and back down towards Henry Ford, and also the Live 6 project, sure. Livernois Six Mile area, and it's it's going to be huge. And over in this area they call Hell's Kitchen. I've seen, yeah, I call them vinyl apps, but they're housing. There's housing there, there now. Uh, and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I heard your guest say something about the stuff that's going on in Midtown. It's moving slow. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'd rather see it move slow than at warp speed because I often say this. It's like when you make when you mix a cake, you put the ingredients in it, <laughs> and you put it in the oven, and it is real nice, and it's real pretty, but you take it out, and it goes down. Something's missing out of there. Yeah. Let's see it go slow. And, you know, make sure that everything is in place. And, you know, it, and it takes hold, like like grass that grow. <laughs> and that, um, right. I, and, just, Tom, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate those thoughts. Uh, Gary Sands, talk about what you mean when you say that it's going slow. And, and actually, I can sort of add a little fuel to that discussion from your article. Uh, the trend in residential values in Detroit, for instance, compared to other cities. Uh, everyone, of course, took a big hit because of the housing crisis and the recession. Other cities are recovering in a way that is noticeable. I mean, recovering at least uh, 50% really of the mm-hmm. values that they lost. Here in Detroit, despite the huge real estate boom that we know is going on in downtown and midtown, I mean, people paying really exorbitant amounts for condos uh, and and houses in in the sort of inner neighborhoods, we still have not recovered hardly at all from the low point uh, that that we reached in uh, 2011. And so uh, comparatively, what's going on here, even though we can sort of put our eyes directly on the things that are that are moving the fastest, because everything else is lagging so far behind, the the, the the total picture is not changing quickly the way it is in a Chicago or a Cleveland or a Grand Rapids. Yeah, I think the part of the reason for that is related to the fact that I, the housing market collapse in 2008, 2010 in Detroit was different than in a lot of other cities. In a lot of other cities, there was a housing bubble that yes. burst. Uh-huh. Values were overinflated well above what they really justified. Yeah. And when they crashed, they were able to recover because there was still the sound fun- fundamentals of the local housing market. In Detroit, the problem was that it was a crash as a result of a different kind of speculation, not overly inflated prices, but mortgages that were made to people who shouldn't have been getting them because of fraud or sure. what. The Whatever. sort of predatory lending that went on yeah, in the city exactly. for a long time. And as a result, it's harder to recover from that because the new values are closer to the reality of what it should be than they were in Phoenix or Baltimore or mm-hmm. St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, okay, uh, Gary Sands, Professor Emeritus of Urban Studies and Planning at Wayne State University, co-author of the article, Is Detroit Really Making a Comeback? Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to continue our conversation about the state of the city of Detroit in advance of the mayor's state of the city speech. Tonight, Sandy Barua of the Detroit Regional Chamber is here to talk about the business outlook in the city. Stay with us and stay with us on the phone. Cindy in Belleville, Pat in River Rouge, Jerry in downtown. We will get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the state of the city of Detroit in advance of Mayor Mike Duggan's State of the City Address live tonight at 7 p.m. You can hear it right here on WDET. Normally, you would be listening to the rebroadcast of this program at that time, but uh, tonight the mayor will take center stage on the airwaves as he updates us on what he thinks is going on in our city, where he thinks the the progress that he has been able to achieve over the last four years uh, is and what he expects to do over the next year, uh, as he anticipates a re-election campaign this year, November of uh, 2017, we will uh, have an election for mayor in this in this city. Mike Duggan is running, and several other people have decided they want to do the job as well. We are talking today about what the state of the city is, what it looks like from various different perspectives. Uh, joining me now is Sandy Barua, president and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber, welcome to Detroit Today, Sandy. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Absolutely. Uh, we just heard from Gary Sands, a professor emeritus at Wayne, uh, about some of the problems we still have here in Detroit uh, with, with, I guess I would call it balance or equity. Uh, the idea that the things that we're all really excited about and that we're seeing here uh, in Midtown and Downtown aren't yet having the effect that we would want them to have in the city's further-flung neighborhoods. Uh, you are a representative of the business community here in, in Detroit. Talk about how all of that looks from your perspective, from your chair. Well, you know, listening to Professor Smalls, I mean, certainly you can't disagree with much of what he said, that there are certainly uh, great swaths of our community here in the city that have not participated in the economic renaissance of the city. Uh, what I do, you know, disagree relatively strongly with is is kind of the tone uh, and his overall outlook. So first of all, uh, you know, for, you know, Detroit is a city that has been challenged for, you know, not just five years but close to fifty years. Yeah. And what we're seeing now in Detroit that has changed over the last, say, five years has been one, we are now a city that is attracting investment as opposed to that is being de-invested in. We are now a city that is attracting population as opposed to depopulating. We are now a city where you, there are things to do, restaurants and activities and institutions uh, that are vibrant and thriving, uh, unlike it used to be. You are seeing investment not just from the private sector, obviously, but you're seeing investment from 
the public sector as well, too. You know, uh, obviously the Q line is a public-private partnership. That is a huge step in the right direction. But you look at what Mayor Duggan has been able to do with streetlights, with garbage collection, with public safety, uh, with uh, street lighting. I mean, all of these kind of basic fundamentals of of city life have been invested in, and that's in all neighborhoods, not just downtown. Sure. So uh, one does just because one thing is true that there are people who still aren't participating in the Renaissance doesn't mean that the Renaissance isn't real or incredibly dramatic and incredibly positive. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about that Renaissance downtown and that that level of investment, uh, you know, it does it. There's there's no way to look at the difference between now and ten years ago and not be absolutely wowed. I mean, when I moved back here, like I said, ten years ago, downtown was a completely different place, much emptier all of the time. Lots of empty buildings. Dan Gilbert had not yet moved downtown, but when I came back, uh, when you when you think of the things that remain for business to thrive here. Uh, what, what what are they? How far have we gotten, I guess, is, is sort of the question. Well, I would say, you know, we've gone from zero to hero in record time. However, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that there isn't a tremendous amount of work to do. So, so we've already, you know, we've already kind of acknowledged that, you know, the people in the neighborhoods and the neighborhoods themselves in many parts of the city uh, remain uh, incredibly challenged. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. But the work that needs to be done, there needs to be market-based work. Right. I mean, the you know the the philanthropic community and the governmental sector can only do so much. I mean, for these neighborhoods and the people in the neighborhoods to be vibrant and thriving, there has to be private sector development. It has yes. to be market based. What's happening downtown, as incredible as it is, uh, you know, I still look at it from a perspective of say, you know, the Renaissance of Washington D.C. that you and I are both very familiar with, or Birmingham, England, uh, or even New York City. Uh, you know, first of all. The downtown needs to continue to fill up. So while we have seen incredible investment in downtown and incredible people and business moving to downtown, we still have you know buildings that are underutilized. Uh, we still have you know things like uh, vacant parking lots. Sure. Uh, and in a really really vibrant urban center, you know downtown Washington D.C., downtown Chicago, downtown Seattle, you know you don't see those kind of underutilized. Uh, spaces. And uh, ideally, you kind of want to see new builds, not just rehabs. The rehabs have been fantastic, right? We're saving all of these uh, great historic buildings that we have an abundance of here in Detroit, turning them into really cool spaces. But you also want a mix of new buildings as well, too, because you want to provide businesses and people choice. Yeah. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Jerry downtown. Welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, Good morning, Stephen. Hey, Jerry. Hey, uh, you know, I just want to take issue with Sandy on, I, first of all, I own a building downtown, uh, right near the theater district, the stadiums, um, rehabilitated that quite a long time ago in the early 2000s, houses, uh, Park Bar, Elizabeth Theater and Cliff Bells. Yeah, I may have been uh, in there a few times. (laughs) I might have seen you in there. Um, so, but you know, I know 
I, you know, I know Harrington and Tharp and Cooley's and Greg Mudge and Motor City Brewing Company. Um, and I, you know, I know I just said last names. I should say Checkers. Uh, Grand Trunk, right? Uh, Centaur, uh, Slows, yeah. uh, Town Pump, Centaur, you know, on and on. Uh, Avalon. I know these people. Uh, uh, it's Union Street. I know all of them personally and have known them, and we've been in Detroit a long time. And if you want to gather everybody around, and I'm talking tons of people, they they would completely disagree with Sandy's uh, interpretation of the great business climate in Detroit. Um, because a lot of that investment, like he just said, hey, uh, the public sector has to take over. Hey, that's real interesting. When it comes to the suburbs, let's let the public sector take over. I mean, the private sector take over. Now we got downtown, and we've spent a lot of philanthropic money, and we have given tax credits, and we have subsidized this growth. Downtown, oh, well, now it's time Oh, people, now you go pull yourself up by your own bootstraps down, down in your neighborhoods because, because, private, the, because, the, uh, because the free market has not been in operation in Midtown or in Detroit. Hmm. It has been a – there are – the government has handed over a lot of its responsibilities to nonprofits. Sure. And I could go through and name 30 of them. Yeah. And authorities that now take the public – job and it's like it's like private contracting your government so so what would you i mean jerry what would you i guess what would you say is the way forward i mean what 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 is it that you would advocate for that would be well the first the the number one thing is a sense of is a sense of equity for all and and that is really what's missing um downtown is changing and you know it's interesting with the mayor's you know speech tonight uh, as you probably know, we'll, myself and tons of locals will be upstairs in Elizabeth Theater watching it mm-hmm. because we're a very politically oriented community. But, um, but, ec- but a sense of equity. Yeah. If you are going to uh, offer, uh, say, you know, let's just say in tax credits, $10 per job just for the sake of it, it's not $10 per job if you're really wealthy and you have <laughs> a thousand jobs. No, it could be $10, $10 per job if it's 1,000 people offering one job. Right, right. You're still getting the exact same economic yeah, no, growth. I see, exactly I see what you're what saying. You wanted to do. But the difference is you're spreading it across populace. Yeah. Uh, saying, Jerry, oh, that's a— take all this. It's a really interesting. It's a really interesting point. And, and, again, it gets back to this question of equity. I mean, there are a lot of people who feel like uh, the things that are happening downtown are benefiting some people and not others. Uh, and that's a different equity question, I guess, than the equity question between downtown and the neighborhoods. I mean, Jerry is a longtime business owner here, and like he says, the business climate been pretty tough uh, for him and and other smaller uh, business owners like him. Uh, what do we do to to try to address that, Sandy? Yeah, well, uh, certainly, I, I I actually don't disagree with the caller, so I'm not sure if he just uh, if I misspoke or if I if he misunderstood what I was trying to say. Uh, certainly, you know, in the areas that aren't, you know, thriving now, uh, it is going to take a combination of private sector philanthropy and public sector. I'm not saying that it has to be just private sector. My point is, is that for any economy, I don't care if it's downtown Detroit or downtown New York, or if it's a small rural neighborhood someplace, at the end of the day, the sustainable economy 
is based on market-based principles. It doesn't mean that uh, you know that there isn't an appropriate role for philanthropy and government in any underserved community. In fact, you know we have a history both at a local, state, and federal level of you know government intervention or assistance in underserved communities, and that obviously is is, is needed because there are certain areas that are far away from being market-based. Yeah. And what you need to do is you need to have smart philanthropic and government strategies to help communities get market-based so they can thrive over the long term. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Bob in Northwest Detroit. Bob, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you very much. I mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to say uh, uh, to both of you that, uh, you know, I've been in, the, uh, in Detroit for 60 years, and I see there's a lack of will among the people to want to do anything for themselves. And many times, uh, you know, they could get out and coalesce together to get a lot of projects uh, underway. Well, There's, uh, yeah, go ahead. The police precincts in the city has uh, a community relations organization, which is for the citizens to come out to meet with their local police, their mm-hmm. local neighborhood police officers, and uh, learn about things that are going on, initiatives that are available for the citizens and whatnot. And uh, the residents need to continue. They they continue to wait for handouts. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't you know. know. I'm not sure I agree, Bob. I mean, I appreciate the call. Uh, I mean, as somebody who is now working in the neighborhood where I was born over on the west side trying to, to sort of figure out what the future looks like over there, and I guess I don't sense uh, that people are waiting for a handout. I think what people are waiting for is opportunity to make change in their neighborhoods, and they are waiting for the, the city government to do the things you know that it promises uh, that 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 it has been unable to do, and I think there's also a sense uh, that that they're being left behind by what is happening downtown and in Midtown. I mean, they they see these other areas thriving, and I think they want that for their they want that for themselves, uh, and they don't have the means necessarily to do it, and they don't have the support. To get it done uh, from the city, but but I do appreciate the call there, uh, Bob. Uh, let's quickly before we have to end here, Gene in Detroit. We've got about thirty seconds, Gene. I wanted to get you on. Are you there, Gene? Nope, I think we lost Gene there. All right, too bad. <laughs> All right, Sandy Brewer, president and CEO detroit regional chamber as always thanks for being here on detroit today thanks for having me Stephen. have a great day uh this is uh 1019 wdt detroit's public radio station i'll be back tomorrow i hope you will too we'll see you then